my spidey senses tingling. Ladies and gentlemen, he's the host that has no qualms about shaming your meals when you're on a diet. He's slim. This is the Paper Keg Podcast, episode 187. 187, yo. On an undercover. Welcome to the show. One of the biggest shows, inarguably, of 2015 right now. Oni Press, Joshua Fialkov, Joe Infernari, The Bunker, Letters to close out the show. Letters at papercake.com if you're into that type of thing. Uh, oh man, what a show. The hosts that you're going to be listening to tonight, we have. A, I want to break some news right now. We have a writer on the show. We have an actual writer on a comics podcast. You want to get the real deal from somebody who does that for a living for free? Jonesy loves beer. Welcome to the show. I can promise you that I've composed over ten thousand tweets. So I mean, if that qualifies me as a writer, then you know I just I'm just waiting for my uh, my little placard at the bottom of the change. Definitely qualifies as something. I don't know what it is, but it's something. Oh man, VP of merch. He has the silvery mane of. Some kind of gorgeous animal. I don't know what kind of an animal it is. He's working on a big list for 2015 for Paper Keg. You know, there's something at the top of our list. It rhymes with meetup. Who knows? We'll see how it goes. Dale underscore, I welcome back. It's great to be back. Another another week in the bag of our lives. One week closer to the end of it all. But let's make it a good week, huh? Let's make this upcoming week kicking off with uh, code one eight seven paper keg. Make it a good one. I, I'm just I, I lost my train of thought there. For I'm just glad that our community of friends is growing so big that there we might have to do two meetups a year. Two oh. meetups a year. It's, it's um, I mean it's unheard of. We're gonna start think. We're gonna start putting something, some plans into motion, uh, folks. Maybe late winter, early spring, and I can tell you that I will try to uh, get my greetings out of the way before I start imbibing so much alcohol that I can't even see straight. And I need a Canadian and one Jonesy Loves beer to pick me up and wipe my face in Jonesy's truck. Can we clip this audio? Because I don't believe you. I don't believe I mean, myself. We, we we should put together another meetup. You know, I'm I'm just gonna say this out loud. Something I've only voiced internally in my own brain. Mm. Maybe we should do another round of shirts. saying right now that timing makes you look like an absolute veteran of the radio industry i don't know how that you just pulled that off i don't know how man oh man that was inspired you should have i mean if you could have been inside if you could have been 
uh, Martin Sh- uh, Dennis Quaid inside my Martin Short body, inner space style. <laughs> the the surge of blood that ran to my face as I lunged for that play button because I knew I was going to play that song, but I didn't know, know it was going to be this soon. So I I was, lunged. And for what reason? I mean, what other reason to bust that out? And to the statement I just made a minute ago, I won't. Re- I'm not even sure if I can repeat it. I'm not going to repeat it. Oh man, yeah, but that's true. That was on my list. That was a bullet point of in my head. Dale has a secret list that he wrote to himself of PK projects that he won't reveal to the rest of us. Because <laughs> well, if I, you know, if I shoot out the text, if I shoot out the daytime thing, you're walking the hub seven miles, Jonesy. You don't like. I barely feel like I get paid attention to half the time. So I got to spring when the time is right. Yeah, I, I feel yeah. like I know I'm the I have one that starts attention. most of these conversations to his table. Here I, I come, come find you and Slim are just tech, 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 texting away all day. Oh, come on. God, God help us all. Someone <laughs> else is texting Dale. You know, we need to move on. We got Didn't a big show to get desk. to. A lot of uh, comic books to talk about. Mm-hmm. If anyone talks about one of my books, I'm screwed. It's over. <laughs> This is how we live our lives anymore. It's it's like it's like a Russian roulette of. I know we're 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 on our elliptical at ten o'clock. We're watching Monday Night Wars. Eric Bischoff making mistakes on the battlefield. We've all seen it. We're all there late at night on the Monday Night Wars. But you know that's life in the fast lane. Yeah, I mean you're you're up there, and your body glide is the only thing between your uh, touching thighs and a, and a small brush fire <laughs> at ten thirty at night. While you watch uh, Walter J. Longmire uh, mm. in the debates <laughs> with Branch, oh, Connelly. you're at the debates God. episodes. Oh yeah, you know, Bye. and it's uh, it's just you, maybe you start pedaling faster when the uh, girls are tied to the railroad tracks. Spoilers, you know, this is but, all. Oh gosh, listen, we we got to move on. If you could describe Longmire in one word before we move on into the comic talk, what would you use to describe? Longmire on Netflix. On one word, I don't. I could. I wouldn't do it justice. I would say Veronica Marsish. That is, I, I'm actually viewing that as an insult. So let's move away from Dale. That's why I said I need to move to Jonesy. If you could recover from that statement, I, please. I've been punched in the gut. Sorry. <laughs> Gosh, my word would in be. Fact, I'm not even really sure. We're eight minutes in. Let's just cut. Maybe we should just cut. No, and just and run right now. Let's just get out of here. I'm actually, oh. I just hit stop. Jonesy and Jonesy now will continue the show. Jonesy, what did you read this week? Please. I picked uh, ten years of Boom Studio presents Burning Fields. Mm-hmm. It's uh, an eight issue mini, and uh, it involves a uh, X. Uh, Army Marine investigator uh, who is now in uh, the U.S. Uh, but, you know, many years ago, not many years ago, a couple years ago she was in Iraq and she was, like, uh, helping the Iraqi police, like, uh, with modern investigation techniques. Uh, in present day, she gets uh, recruited by her old sergeant to go back and kind of... Um, get revenge on some people that ruined her life. You're not sure how yet. So she gets a plane ticket, hops back on the plane to Iraq, and she's going to get cold revenge on the people that ruined her life. It is a excellent, excellent first issue of a comic. Uh, and I think the premise, it's going to be one of those rare ones where it's like a real-world comic that isn't going to be super extraordinary. There's going to be nitty-gritty. It's mm. going to be like... I'm trying to find something to compare it to. So so far, there's nothing supernatural about it? No, zero supernatural. Just an army vet who was going back to Iraq to, like, the classic revenge tale. So Mm, it reminds me of, like, a... I don't want to, like, overuse the term true detective, but, like, that level quality of a mini where it's going to be hard-hitting real-life stuff. Uh, set in the recent invasion of Iraq, so you know, and it's already—it's not too politically charged, but there is enough spin on it. Where, I mean, there there is one point where, the, like, the most competent character so far is like an Iraqi investigator, and his partner is like very 
apprehensive about going against the U.S. military occupation. And, like, one of his lines is, they treat us like idiots. Let's just use that to our advantage. (laughs) So, like, every time they're in a position where they're not supposed to be what they're supposed to be, they just play dumb. And the Americans are like, oh, okay, we'll see you later. Like, don't even question why they're there, what they're investigating. So it's 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 a really good read, and I, uh, you know, I recommend it. So in four words, you would describe that title as True Detective in Iraq. Yeah. Wow. Yep. Wow. I mean, they probably sold the uh, TV show or movie rights already. So they're filming it on HBO right now. I hope so. I, sure, I want to watch. Detective. They probably got, um, who's, who's probably the lead? Jonesy. Adrian Brody. Adrian <laughs> Brody. Where'd you pull him out of? And Veronica Mars. I was on Letterboxd this week, and I just oh. uh, rated, I think, what's that movie he did with his girlfriend, Brown Rabbit, White Rabbit? What? Where he got the book jug on camera. Oh, <laughs> man. What? Nobody else remember that? I mean, I'm no. sounding like a crazy person here. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. All right, apologize. Now, if you want to rat, you know, if you want to name a scene in, uh, I don't know, Revenge of the Nerds, I would know what you're talking about. But I'm so out of the loop anymore, Slim. If anyone, if the, if any intern can name that movie, then please do. Just we need screaming for help to get out of that. I hole. need the help right now, please. <laughs> Sounds like I don't have the time to Google Adrian Brody book jug. <laughs> Letter forty-four. <laughs> I, you know, I struggle every day on that train thinking of what to read, if I have the desire to read anything, and I finally felt that it was time to go back and catch up on Letter 44 from Chucky Soul. So for the uninitiated, Letter 44, incoming president, Blades, Blades, gets a letter from the preceding president and says, you know what? Being the president's hard, all the stuff we're doing in Iraq, the true detective filming in Iraq, <laughs> the weapons, the training, it's all because we uncovered aliens in an asteroid belt out in space, and they're building something. Mm. Good luck. So I finally caught up where the current storyline is Blades decides to tell the American people about these... Uh, super mega weapons that he's that he now has from the pr- previous president. The problem is uh, somebody decided to nuke the little holding cell where all these weapons are. So now pretty much all the super weapons are gone. And on top of that, the U.S. figures out who did it. And now, while that's going on, they have finally made contact with the aliens. So there's this huge thing... Um, huge event that happens at the end of the current issue, and I won't spoil it, but you're finally getting some information on what these aliens are doing and what they want. And I think, Jonesy, you referenced that there was a huge twist in one of these issues. Can you somehow describe the twist without without revealing it? Because I didn't Um, see it as a twist. The the alien's intent. I see. Do you know what I'm saying? Yes, I do confirmed wink winking at you mm, yeah in the podcast waves dale are you caught up on letter 44 i have not read an ever a single issue of uh, letter 44 i mean that's two strikes two strikes tonight for dale let's just keep a tally of where we're going with this with dale if you want to <laughs> if either one of you boys want to give me your comicsology accounts i could log in i can't i just simply can't do it you know Listen, what i mean that's against terms of service <laughs> <laughs> you're right you're absolutely right i I read the terms of service when I first signed up. Absolutely. I know you did. We went over it together <laughs> under the spotlight. The one, the, the little things I like about Letter Forty Four is it does that John Burnsian '80s style comics where a bunch of these issues start out with a full page of one character saying something shocking or informative, or that immediately presses the story along. Mm-hmm. I really like that. It's not done enough, and. It's just a great series. It was great to read like five issues back to back to back to back. Yeah, to back. that's that's really how it should be read. Because every time mm-hmm. I go back, I'm, I, I'm always kind of like catching up with myself. Like, all right, where are we now? Mm-hmm. What just yeah. happened? Yeah. I've, and it's been a while since I had a book that I like stopped reading and then finally gone back to. I do that with a lot and I just could be a year or two. Like Chew. 
I don't know when yeah. I stopped Chew, and I said I'd go back, and it still hasn't I happened I stopped yet. at issue 22, where I'm just saying there's going to be an end, and I'll just read it in a sitting. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's tough to make time, you know, for the stuff, especially when you got shows to do. You got to try to provide new content. You got to rag them, your kids. You got a podcast network, you know, that you've spread your wings too far. Yeah. You have a lot of shows you need to do. You got Tom Cruise podcast. Yeah, you got Wax Wings, and we're just flying too <laughs> so, 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 so close. Wings. <laughs> too close at. Oh boy! But we're gonna get it. We're gonna get it moving. Rhymes with meetup. Dale underscore A. You have you know you're on the elliptical midnight with the you know I don't know how you do it. How there's no brush fire. Hey, but did you what did you read uh, this week on the elliptical? Modern science. You should see me. I practically do a Van Damme split in my walk-in closet, <laughs> and I just get the uh, body glide, and I'm just all and I'm like I'm like a just sawing back and forth on these thighs. Bzz, bzz, bzz. Now, does is the body glide like a essentially like a petroleum jelly that just like allows the slipperiness to happen? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's it looks like it looks and feels like a deodorant, like but a it, KY deodorant. Uh, no, it's more of a white solid. You know what I mean? It's a solid. But it once it apply you apply it to thine skin in betwixt. <laughs> it's it literally provides enough uh, lubrication. Have say. we reached out to the Body Glide people for some kind of sponsorship? Oh man, uh, some kind of reciprocating. You know, we talk about Body Glide, you get a free case of Body Glide, right? Like I mean, you know, if 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 a uh, series of YouTube videos on how to apply it, <laughs> you need to see me Van Damned on the side <laughs> on the side of my. Wall in the in the Balkan closet. I would love to see a YouTube video of the how to body glide from Dale underscore A, where you you know kick your little New Balances up on a chair and you pull back your shorts and, oh, yeah. <laughs> and the rest is left to the imagination. One of the comments. One of the comments is uh, why is that band's closet filled with baby shoes? Oh man, that's just. <laughs> Uh, an infant's ballerina shoes. <laughs> what did you read, Dale? Or Dale's work shoes. You know, it could be misconstrued. <clears throat> I read this week a, uh, a wonderful... I'll tell you, I don't read enough Valiant. But I read this week Evar Time Walker, uh, issue one. Uh-huh. Fred Van Lenty, Clayton Henry, Brian Reber on colors. And Evar Time Walker is a... Well, Ivar is his name, and he is a time-traveling adventurer, whether he is uh, on the up-and-up or in the morally gray area remains to be seen. But in this universe, Ivar basically sees, think of, um, like, Stargates, but they're they're very temporary and they're in very specific locations in the world at any given time. So <clears throat> if you want to time travel, you have to be at the place where this is, uh, portal is going to open. And then, uh, you know, if you miss it, you could possibly be stuck on that world or that timeline if there's not another one. And Evar seems to have knowledge of all these uh, portals on all sorts of the time streams. And he, uh, the, the, the book opens with a uh, lady who is about to invent time travel by her uh, experimenting, and Ivar shows up and says, you need to come with me. I can't let you invent accidentally invent time travel right now. And they go traveling through time, and they're being pursued by these highly advanced uh, Prometheans, they're called. And what they're trying to do is stop Ivar and collect lady scientist to kind of get her on their side and at the end of issue one it's revealed that the person who sent the prometheans after to collect her is her future self who uh definitely was double crossed at one point by evar somehow and uh it's pretty cool because fred Lanty takes you through time he takes you through a uh, a sea battle the battle of uh Trafalgar. Trafalgar. Yeah. Did you read this, Josie? I did. Oh, cool. Yeah. And uh, he, you know, he has like an old timey sidearm he uses. But uh, I really like it. And I'm glad I um, 
got a chance to read another Valiant book. There's a couple that I feel like even if, uh, you know, issue five is out, I can't, I, I, I got to go back. I can't just start with issue five. So it was cool to jump on this when I did. I really like the first issue, the Valiant. I think that was the one that just came out. Is that right? the team up book? Um, <clears throat> Unity was the first team up book, and then the mm-hmm. Valiant is almost kind of an event book. Yeah, but, uh, I think I have boy, that. I th- I don't think I read that yet. Though. Your boy Paolo mm. is doing art. Isn't uh, Matt Kent or Jeff Lemire writing? Both it? of them, I think they're writing it. Yeah. Oh. Jeff yeah, Lemire. Man. That's all you oh, had yeah. to say. They know what they're oh. doing. Valiant. Oh man, is the just, wolf. Mm. They're just like building up to this awesome line of books they have. They're not. They've mm-hmm. been building up. I'm not saying they're starting now, but very excited. Two sentences or less. Book that we read this week, but can only be described in two sentences, The Lightning Round. Jonesy loves beer. Star Trek and the Planet of the Apes, the Prime Directive Issue 2. <laughs> it gotcha. turns out the Klingons are giving the apes AK-47s because they want to take over Earth for its natural resources? Batman and Robin... 38. When we look back years from now, we will all worship this run of comic books. AKA pick it apart on a podcast. (laughs) Out of love. Uh, Rat Queens, the Braga special. Curtis J. Weeby and Tess Fowler. Curtis shows us the past of uh, what was a part-time player in the Rat Queen series with some pretty real-world issues thrown into this uh, orcish woman and her past. Another ace book. Rat Queens. The Bunker, Volume 1. Self-published and now through Oni Press. Chenzi, what is The Bunker? Five friends hiking in the woods decide they're going to bury a time capsule. Strange twist. When they go to dig the first hole, they instead find a hatch with all of their names on it. Pretty spooky. They go into the hatch, and they find five letters addressed to each of them, written by their future selves. This is a bunker somehow sent back in time to illustrate to them all that a mass extinction is coming. And they are the ones that are primarily behind it. They're going to cause it. But it needs to happen so that the human race can ultimately survive. And these five college students must now live with this information. First accept it. Then live with it. Then use that information to make sure this dark future comes to pass. The second half of the story is some of the main characters beginning to use the information they've learned to either put themselves in the places they think they need to go and or to try to change their fate. And it ends with one of the characters coming back from the future to meet his past self. This is actually the, I think like the third time I've read The Bunker. Hmm. First time I read the, I think it was digital first, self-published through Submit. And then eventually Oni decided, you know, hey, let's make this a print thing too. So I think the first fifth of the trade is the original digital first repurposed for print repurposed recolored so the Mm -hmm. story is restitched yeah it's much more streamlined 
And man, I actually really love Joe Infernari's colors in this book and his lettering too. I didn't realize he did the lettering as well. He's the he's the total package. Yeah. The he, he um I think the other book that I read that we talked about I can't remember if it was if it's called Time Effer or Super Effer, but he's got the style where he's a a cartoonist where that's the style of that book is very different than this the realistic gritty while still sometimes cartoony in this book of Bunker. I love how he can change his style up. Um but I love the idea of the bunker. I love how it starts out with like a really simple premise where the friends try to bury something and then they realize their future selves had come come back and to warn them about something. The premise is like so simple. It's so simple and yet so intriguing at the same time. Yeah, it's 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 like the beginning of an hour of television. Like just to get something to move to start moving a plot but then it like the what comes of it is like the most real <laughs> punch in the stomach like just i mean what i try to wrap my head around is the fact that they know the future and they're not supposed to change it Right, and then that that's the whole premise. They all get letters in the bunker from themselves, and then Grady, who's kind of like the main character, gets a letter, not from himself, but from one of the other friends, and that person didn't get a letter. And the really curious thing is they're telling them about the future, and yet like they want them to continue on the course. Which is like a really odd thing. Like, why would you go back in time and tell someone the future and then be like, you have to make sure this happens? Like, wouldn't you assume that, I don't know, you would assume that it would just happen right. without you, you going back go in back? time? Yeah. Uh, my my theory on that is that maybe in the invention of time travel, uh, time travel, that period is so fluid that they weren't sure that their timeline would be the ultimate timeline. You know what I mean? Kind of like, uh, like, let me reference the book that I read, Star Trek of the Planet of the Apes. Sure. But no, no, I'm only kidding. <clears throat> like, if one of their decisions creates, you know, like alternate universes where the Earth dies, then wouldn't this be the only way to make sure the right one stays right? But I guess to your point, I didn't have to do that because it already happened. Mm-hmm. So I I think really it's probably and spoilers, but Grady, the future Grady, seems like he has a hidden agenda. Yeah, and his involvement kind of throws a wrench in the whole thing. Like I still feel like them going back in time is connected somehow to his involvement. Like he's done something outside of just showing up at the end and then going back in time. Because man, he turns into like a total. D bag toad, yeah. He, <laughs> gross toad is a perfect <laughs> representation of what he looks like and the, his personality. He is just really gross to look at. Maybe he just wants to get back in time to escape the hellish future he's created as the president I, of the United States. But he's still going out with uh, what's her face as the first lady. Yeah, she's not really. She's not in the end of the relationship. No, she's, she's a shell. She's him. an emotional shell. And she the, isn't she the one in charge? She uh, basically, she's, wearing, she's essentially wearing the pants. Yeah. Right. So to speak. I mean, I guess so yeah, she's dead inside, right? <laughs> she, she is <laughs> sure, absolutely I mean. dead inside. But <laughs> she's leading the rebellion. She's like the Princess Leia of the bunker in this scenario, although she's sleeping with the president. So Grady, one of the friends. But more of and, a salute, more of a salute. <laughs> you could say salute. She, two of the friends end up becoming president and first lady. And so I guess the gist of the story is one of the friends develops a way to kind of sustain food for the entire planet in, through genetic modification. Yeah, he makes it so fruits and vegetables can't aren't susceptible to like rot or um you know, like any kind of disease that would kill crops. Like crops mm-hmm. are super strong. And then 
he develops it with who Dale affectionately recalled as someone who was sluty. <laughs> he they're they're an item uh, during the course of their youth. So he's developing this process using his father's work, and he's very close, but he doesn't think he's ready yet. But her, who's funding it, decides, well, let's push it through right now. Gray's running for president, and he's about to do it. So if we push it through now, we can get it to the White House. And that was the big mistake. It wasn't ready, and it ended up killing billions of people. But why then, with all this foreknowledge, would they just be like, hey, you know the, the vegetable thing? Give it like 10 more years. That's the only thing. Well, the, I don't know. There's one line that made me curious because I think it's very early on where they say these billions like had to die in order for the earth to continue or something. Like yeah. this well, mass death led to some event where... I think therein is the lie. You think that part is like a gradyism? Right. It's it's a a purposely inserted phrase so that they think they're doing the right thing, but really it's ultimately to serve future Grady's toad purposes. <laughs> <laughs> like at some point I real I wonder is all of this still maybe like in my head they built the thing to tell them to not do it. And then Grady like weaseled in there at the last minute, like the day before they opened it. And oh. wrote a letter saying, you have to make sure this happens. You know, that makes sense because the video <laughs> message from the future Billy is like, oh, you're, you know, he's talking to his past self. He's like, you're the only one that's going to be able to do this. And these are reasons that you can't. And then it break. Remember, the tape breaks off. Mm-hmm. And the final issue, oh, yeah. we see that Grady's Secret Service men have, like, essentially killed Billy. Yeah. And Grady's kind of like, oh, I'm in this perfect Grady- place. And Grady was possibly hiding in the bunker for some time in the past. Been there, eating sardines. Yeah, by well. the looks of it. <laughs> the really, I mean, this the way that they revealed the letters to the characters, I thought was really cool. And the one that was really interesting was, I guess that really like shook Grady emotionally. Outside of the fact that his future self or a future character wrote him a letter, was they made it sound like um, Billy was in love with Grady. Right. Did you guys see that yep. line? And yeah. that, like, freaked then, him out. Yeah, and then he wouldn't, he wouldn't, like, talk with Billy, and he wouldn't, like, mm-hmm. you, he wouldn't you do could tell. With yeah, exactly. He didn't want to stay with them. And, I, and, I, and I wonder if that actually was from Billy. Who knows? Maybe Grady played that letter. Exactly. And that was his plan the whole time, to stay away from Billy. But, it, but I mean, if it, but if it was from future Billy, it's like, all the stuff you just learned how like mind blowing and then you find out that your friend Billy could be in love with you like on top of everything else right it was it was like the icing on the cake like how what the like the storytelling is just like unprecedented you you just that on top of everything else like and and Grady the way Grady's like struggling I mean, they're all struggling, but Grady's just like accepting. But but everything's happening within like twenty four hours of finding out. He's he finds out about the terrorist bombing in San Francisco, and then he goes along with it. Yeah, how about that scene? What did you think of that? He just went along with, you know, how many people getting murdered so that he could look like a hero at the end. Yeah, I, I like. I feel like the more I thought, the more I think about that, it's like. He's not stepping up in the very least. He's just going along with what he's being told to do by somebody, possibly him, because, you know, things have been proven to him that could only be maybe revealed by his future self. But, like, it just kind of seems weaselly and cowardly. Instead of preventing the death of 14 others to be a hero, he instead... Yeah, because Wait, he's told die. that it, he's told that this thing, this stuff has to happen. That he goes along with it, and then he, so he can look like the hero, and he and he, uh, you know, convinces Heidi to come along, who just so happens to take pictures. I, I right. I think like I like Heidi's follower. character the best. Yeah, and, and that's some Grady? deep stuff, man. Yeah. She don't. I don't know. Go ahead. I, which character do you like? You like Grady's Heidi, the sister, oh, Grady's Heidi. sister. Yeah. She definitely had the. Most poignant emotional arc, and that 
character reminded me like something out of Echoes, uh, Fialkov's mm. first um, comic. Remember, I think we, I don't know if we read that for this show. Maybe it was the old comic. I think podcast. we did. Did we do it for this? I for think Paper so. Cake? The um, my uh, former guest host at Nimity, my wife, she had a big problem with how um, like Heidi's representation in that scene where she like. Heidi was initially okay. So Grady gets this newspaper from the t- from tomorrow and he's shown saving people from you know this huge explosion, this kind of like almost uh terrorist attack in the city. So he goes he's like, "Well, hey Heidi, I might have to do I might have to let something bad happen to let something good happen." What do you think about that? Do you think we should I should just go along with it? So he like vaguely infers to her that something terrible is going to happen. And my wife didn't she she was annoyed that she kind of went along with it, but at the end she changed her mind and was disgusted with him. And then in my reading, I was she had told me this before I reread it, and so I read it, and there was one line where he never really got to tell her what was going to happen. Right. He's like, what if some people die? And then he like trails off, and then she never really responds to that, and they're already, now they're in the explosion and things are just happening. And then after the fact, she discovers the newspaper that he that he left behind and was like mortified. Yeah, she didn't even have time to really think or act upon what was happening, and all of a sudden, he, she, she, you know, she's kind of like numb, and he's like, come on, we have to come over, like, we have to get over here, we have to come over here, and she's just going along with it, not knowing exactly what was about to go down. I thought that issue was tr- just like overall, like, to convey the sense of being inside a terrorist event i thought it was really well done yeah like it's just total chaos nobody knows what's happening there's you're trying to do what's right in the middle of it and there's just it's just total chaos that was probably one of the best issues and its counterpoint in the same issue is heidi kind of describing her love slash no feeling at all towards photography and how taking pictures of life is supposed to be the way she expresses these feelings that she can't feel, and she ends up she ends up rather taking probably the greatest role of film in her life of this event in most people's lives too. And then when and she, then she just gave the camera, away. well, like, she oh finds God. out she finds out that it's it's BS, so she it's mm-hmm. automatically tainted. Like all of her life has been this these opportunities to get well. And then immediately squashed by something she mm. learns. I mean, it was a beautiful scene, but man, yeah, up a camera like that. I mean, I can't, I can't let that happen. You're and just, you, and to know that she's going to be, you know, held up to a place where she doesn't want to be held up because she was, you know, taking pictures under a lie, under false pretenses, but she's still going to be like, uh, you know, a hero or you know, some. She's going to be something for documenting these images and mm-hmm. she's yeah, going to be connected to it. Yeah. But she's definitely not going to be want to be, but she's also going to take fate into her own hands, like, and try to change the future because of her stuff with her uncle. And that's like the cliffhanger was cripes. The, the cliffhanger to the, to the volume or in general with her cliffhanger her mostly, but uh, yeah, the, the, the volume too. It was just really like, uh, like obviously uncomfortable to read, but you know, your fe- like having being the victim of a sexual assault when you're younger, and then your future self telling you that that perpetrator is still alive, and here's his phone number, and here's his address, mm-hmm. and she and the, that character says that she went through and and killed him, and you'll do the same thing, and just re- and then she does call that number, and she asks, you know, if that person is there. Really crazy. I mean, what would you do in that scenario? But, and that that was another thing that made me think. Like, I wonder if that character, not that that character would have any reason to lie, but I wonder if that future Heidi actually did go through with it, and 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 kill yeah. the the uncle. Maybe she didn't, and she's like, well, maybe this is my chance to, to set right it right. That wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think. Um... At first, when you read the first issue, you're inclined to believe that these characters are being told the truth. And then by the end of the volume, I have a problem believing most of what what the letters said Mm -hmm. to the younger selves. Yeah, even, I mean, even Daniel's, does Daniel find out that he gets his product pushed through before he feels comfortable doing so? 
don't think so. I think in his explanation, he talks about it, about how it was pushed too early. Mm. Man. Because I think he reveals what happens, and then that's when you see, like, the people having famine. Good. Grief. And they're in line for, for, like, health reasons, and they're dying, and there's yeah. just, like, you know, overgrown areas. I definitely would catch that strain of flu. That would kill ninety percent of the. You planet. would be the first line of people. I'd be that patient would zero. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, if they discussed it on television, you would you would keel over. Just the <laughs> just that kind of connection would be the end of you. I can you. get it through uh, through Wi Fi signal. I can get it through television uh, <laughs> transmissions. If you link but up I, to my network and I don't have it locked, I'm dead. No, it's too much. I thought I thought it was a great cliffhanger ending. Mm-hmm. I actually thought that there was more to it. I didn't realize that I had finished at that issue too, but the ending was Billy leaving a video message for Billy that he uncovers, and he says something about Grady. He kind of makes it sound like just do, He sa- I think he says do what Grady something, and then it cuts off, and he's taken in by Grady's men, but that Billy doesn't know that. And then Grady reveals himself, and then he reveals himself to um, the entire group. So I'm really f- curious to know what happens after that. Because he is really just an ugly person, ugly, inside and out. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> <laughs> but that's the cliffhanger. Because the night you read on, maybe he's, yeah, I don't know, I don't know. But everything he's done up early, early Grady. As soon as he finds out about his future, he does all the Weasley things. The Frog King, I like to call him. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I mean, I really want to read on. It's gosh, there's so much to read. I mean, I really well. I, <laughs> <laughs> I I assume that Billy is the cause of his gross scar. I assume that somehow yeah. Billy is is related, future Billy. But my my pick is that their letters t- didn't actually say make sure it happens because it it doesn't make any sense right yeah, now. Yeah, I think Grady doctored most of it. He photoshopped the letters. I mean, in the future, you they'll probably the have, like, mental gimp where you just think about it and it comes up. Mimp. Mimp. <laughs> oh, man. But I thought it was great. I love, um, I really enjoyed the series, and I love that, you know, the two creators did it themselves at first. And yeah. And it got, yeah, that's you know, the enough dream, eyeballs on right? it that, the, that a publisher was like, hey, let's make this a print book, mm-hmm. too. This is really good. Good for them. Yeah, and I, to see what they did to kind of firm up the first issue i had i have the first issue of both the original the, the i guess the submit issue and the oni issue and what they've done to make it to take it out of the widescreen format like mouse the mouse guard format if you're more if you're familiar with that format yeah. and then like to just regular comic format they really did a great job and the the coloring and the art is just amazing the coloring is amazing in the book yeah it really mm-hmm. is it's something special is it, the, is, does the book still get released monthly? I don't know if it's exactly monthly. Man. The Bunker Volume 1. We got your letters. I'm gonna open them up. Farrington's gonna read them <laughs> to you. What a voice. I mean, Jonesy, you yeah. got something special there. I'm on the side of the angels. All right. <laughs> Soon, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow you made me choke on the uh... spit. <laughs> uh, fourth host. Hey, guys. Don't know if it's been suggested already, but I think at Nimininity would make a great permanent fourth host. It has been suggested, and Slim almost lost his ass. I've been trying to get That's my not wife that is not true. <laughs> to jump V deep into comics, and having a lady on the show sharing her insights might sway my gal's opinion. I didn't get a chance to get a letter in for the Starlight episode, but I still wanted to say that I think it was the best comic of 2014. Mm. That's my pick, anyway. Mm. Few comics have gotten an emotional response out of me, and that one sure tugged at the old heartstrings. I picked up two books on a whim that helped me get out of my comic burnout. The first was Richard Stark's Parker, as illustrated by Darwin Cook, and The Intrepids by Curtis Webb and Scott Kowalchuk. I recommend both for sure. 
Oh, before I forget, Dale, I'd like to get in on the ground floor with this Ragams idea before it takes off. Gosh. You're sitting on a gold mine, my friend. That illustration by Kesher was perfect. Anyway, I hope everybody's happy and healthy, Jonesy. Thanks for the con- thanks for constantly putting out a great podcast. And that's uh, Sean Gregory Miller. You can find him at www.anchorcomics.com. At uh, Under an Anchor on the Twitter. He's a big, uh, big friend of the show. And also, before we move on, okay, please. Oh, here we go. Back when Ragams was just a, a seed in Jonesy's mind, inferring that I would chloroform my kids <laughs> to and leave them where they lay, I was, I mean, I was appalled because it just sickened the, th- the thought of that actually happened to my little babies. But to know that an army is mounting, a Ragams army. A ragtag army, if you will. <laughs> I mean, Ragum's army. How far we've come from the joke t- about drugging your children <laughs> into a Ragum's yeah, army. We have a logo now. I have a physical wall plaque. <laughs> Compliments of Jonesy and Catcher. I mean, it's pretty. It's pretty staggering what yeah. uh, people can do with enough initiative. <laughs> the uh, power of laughter. <laughs> Uh, next up is a friend of the show, uh, Tom Rankin. I forget what his Twitter name is. At the Movie Freak, at, I think. Yeah, that's right. At Actually, the I should at, at the Movie Freak sounds like someone who would enjoy letter Letterboxed, which I've been getting into pretty hardcore. At the Movie Freak, let me know if you're on Letterboxed, and if not, you should get on there. There's no app, huh? Uh, no, the website is actually really, really functional on a tablet. Hmm. Yeah, okay. I'm gonna have to check it out, Slim. I could, uh, I'll put on there that I watched Revenge of the Nerds. <laughs> hey, Keggers. So glad to join in on the fun this time by reading along with you. I bought the trade some months back, and it's been sitting on my shelf half-read for a while. Absolutely ate the book up, and I'm kicking myself for pushing it to the read-later bin. Anything with time travel captivates me, and this is no exception. Predestination, no fate but what we make, all that nonsense has captured my imagination since I was a wee lad. The bunker didn't reinvent the wheel when it comes to time travel stories, but that definitely doesn't make it bad in the least. It instead decides to merely tweak some of those age-old tropes and get away with it by get away with it by a focus on character. That first issue is near perfect in its fascinating character study and grim take on the if you could write a letter to your past self idea. The art's grimy nature fits with the story perfectly. The messy drawing of the characters helps reflect the me- the messy nature of their lives. My only gripe is somewhat superficial in that I found the language glaring. Swearing never affects me. I myself have the mouth of a sailor. But for whatever reason, it stood out to me in this book. It wasn't any worse than, say, The Departed, but every other panel having someone spouting the F-word came off a little much and a bit forced, taking me out of the moments here and there. Still... It's such a minor gripe, it barely affects my opinion of the book. Hope that wasn't too long of an email. Thank you guys for forcing me to finally finish reading this book. I'll leave you with a discussion question. What's your favorite story, comics or otherwise, dealing with time travel? I guess this directed at Jonesy and Dale because we all know Slim's answer lives somewhere in the pages of Fear Agent. Fact. Keep up the good work, fellas. Tom. P.S. Listener lightning round. That continues the time travel theme. Evar Timewalker, number one from Valiant. Does the plot of a dashing time traveler whisking a young scientist away on adventure through time sound too familiar? Not to worry. Ivar is similar to Doctor Who, and it's time-bending, but but different enough to not feel like a rehash. Uh, favorite I, time I travel. I like the swearing real quick. Uh, the, the swearing, I got a little chuckle of. I didn't. I would probably be swearing like that, too, but uh, I'm not going to fault anybody for thinking it taking them out of the story as well. I'll I'll take his side on that one. It was a little, mm. it took me out. Although that I'm like that with a lot of things, podcasts especially. I won't name any names, <laughs> but if you drop the f bomb, like it's like I'm gonna shut your yeah, yeah. stupid face <laughs> off. <bad. laughs> oh, and I will say, The Departed is one of my all time favorite movies. Great so. film. It's probably on your letterbox. Yeah, check out my my rating, please. Uh, time travel. The only thing I have in my head right now is Demolition Man. So oh. sorry, I can't think of anything else. A murder death kill. <laughs> you can't use the three seashells. All right, next email. 
multiversal war on secret convergences of humility? Lads. Clearly, 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 I offended in my treaty outlining the defense of Transmetropolitan. I offended Slim. I offended his spouse. She's an excellent co-host, by the way. I offended Jonesy. I likely offended Dale by not offending him, too. Please accept my apologies for my less-than-capable effort to dash off quick dispatches to your accounting. The wares and whys I chanced upon unusual, intriguing, or engrossing comics amid my decade living in Europe and traveling <laughs> through there, Africa, and the Middle East. Did we get on him for that? I can't even remember. Oh, yeah, you did. Uh, oh, I did. Okay. <laughs> Humbled, your undeserving former pal in the G-side sector of the PA Commonwealth. You know, Matt Moore, you are still our pal. We gorilla scribe. You are still invited to the meetup. I mean, you're so close. Uh, Listen, that way. I mean, he he took a page out of the Jonesy Loves Beer Pity Party book. (laughs) (laughs) And did you see Humble Bragg that he was in Africa, the Middle East, too? In that paragraph, (laughs) we're on to you, gorilla scribe. He is he is entered black belt trolling. He is like Jim Lynn level of trolling right now. So Matt has a postscript. He writes, So Secret Wars redo, huh? Don't call it a reboot. Don't call it a rebirth. So long as Cloak and Dagger stay alive, Uncle Ben remains dead, and Spider-Gwen gets her own monthly title to compliment Miss Marvel. I'm cool with whatever it is Marvel has planned. And post-postscript, The Convergence, Thoughts, Words, Deeds, Your Informed Take or Opinion on How It Could Ever Be the Awesomest Thing Ever, uh, a love letter, if you will, to the best of DC. Convergence is how they're going to undo the new 52, right? I don't know. I don't think that's actually true. Alleged? Um, I, think it's just an ev- I think it's just an event, a mini event. Yeah. Um, get some sleep, Matt. You look tired. <laughs> <laughs> we got one hot off the wire, too. Oh. Hold on, you didn't even answer yeah. uh, oh, all right, the letter. All right, all right, let me get into my mode. Is, is this uh, your boy? Is this Dragon Fro? Is that why you no, just hopped no, on the it, Dragon Fro train? It's it's, uh, it's friend of the, the show, Bex Gordo. But we'll get to her letter in a moment. Yeah, I'm, I don't, I know next to nothing about this whole uh, Secret Wars stuff. I, uh, you know, I was watching the press conference and it, uh, you know, the, the feed seized up on me. And uh, but Matt, whatever Matt says here, I'm completely in agreement with. Just you know, believe the storytelling, and I'm not going to get too. I'm going to get a little more butt sore. I'm not going to get butt sore. You know what? It's if it's good storytelling. I was super excited for the DC's New Fifty Two. I know that's not apples to apples to what Marvel's doing, but whatever they're doing, as long as it's good storytelling and Spider Gwen, let's do it. You know what I mean? That's that's how I feel. Honest to goodness, and convergence. I mean, you could, you couldn't uh, swing a dead cat without nobody knowing about convergence around here. So, <laughs> I think uh, I don't think Secret Wars is a reboot of any way. I think it's just as a way to bring in Miles Morales, yeah, into the main. You know, I mean, there's nothing left in the Ultimate Universe to care about. To be honest, here. I concur. Oh, uh, if this happened in 2000, you know, I'd be plopping down my five dollars. I didn't go back and listen, but I talked to uh, Sarah at the comic book shop today, official show sponsor, yeah. and she listened to our very first Fireside episode, the standalone oh, Fireside up. Ep- oh, no. And she said that you, back then, referenced the fact that you'll be happy if, you know, Kitty or somebody goes back in time and brings back forth the original X-Men. Did I? Yeah. What? Yeah. I don't know no, what, I gotta... what, what it was pertaining to or whatever, but... We, I'm sure we had plenty to talk about. Cause Man, so I talking. predicted what Brian Bendis did in All New X-Men. Is He's, that what you're telling me? I'm t- I'm, what I'm telling you is Brian Bendis at least listened to Paper Keg pre-tapping the brakes 
and he may have gotten some stories from. This is I am going to go back in time and write you a letter saying, "Don't stroke Slim's ego." I have to go back to the archives now and listen to a period of paper keg history that I would choose to forget otherwise. This time where we released these firesides as single episodes, and now I need to go back and verify. Seems like forever ago, doesn't it? We have uh, and uh, one last letter, friend of the show, Bex Gordon. In the interest of being topical and trendy and S, can you guys say your hashtag for comics on air, please? feel like that would be nostalgic fun. And also a lot of pressure for doing this live. What is for comics? What does that mean? Um, that is, on uh, Twitter. What are there's four a ch- com- oh, Sorry. There we go. All right, Dale. Um, on Twitter, there is a trend, hashtag for comics, and you would... Uh, post the covers of the four comics you hold most dear. What got you into reading? Um, nostalgic. What you most n- wax nostalgic for? That kind of thing. Hmm. And it's pretty big. I mean, a lot of people are doing it. I remember uh, one of Titus's from the comic book shop was Life Death. Oh, I do remember that. I like the sound of that. I'll tell you what. Um, one of mine would be Powers Number One, the first Powers. For sure. Trying to find my first comic I remember buying um, in a comic shop, which doesn't make sense because I would have been three years old. I guess it was like a backlist. It was X-Factor number 70. It was made in 1986. It had a Mike Mignola cover. It was the Mirror Island epilogue. Mm. Great cover. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, cover date, September 1991. So that was the first comic I bought. The series started in 1986. So September 1991 is when I got it. Wow, that's cool that you remember that. I would have been eight years old. I feel like my list is super predictable, but... Superior Spider-Man. <laughs> Superior Spider-Man issue one. Over two years ago, got me into comics. <laughs> Uh, Planetary issue one, your house, circa the summer of ninety six. Uh, the Ultimates volume one. Oh yeah, Splooge. Ultimate um, X Men volume one. Oh, uh, the Tomorrow People. What years? We that haven't was like done 2000, that. 2001. We haven't done that on the show yet. I I wanted that that like time frame to continue forever. Adam Kubert, Mark Miller, writing X Men forever. It was just so amazing. Underboss. Underboss, yeah. God, there's a few Mark Silvestri Wolverines I can find uh, in my long box. That was another era. I remember going to the comic shop with my brother and getting, he would buy Wolverine and then I would buy also Wolverine. So we we had two copies of Wolverine for like 30 issues. One, One of mine would be, well... It would either it would be one of two Wolverine comics. The one would be the uh, comic that looked like the top secret file with the slash marks. Oh yeah, Wolverine fifty, I think. That one, or there was a Wolverine. I don't remember. And uh, he was like, he was like turned. He was facing the other way, but he was kind of like turned around and looking at the looking at you, and he was like his face was kind of ripped up. Oh man, I wish I could remember what that was. I think my fourth is a collection of four, and that was the first time I can really remember collecting to collect, and that was an original four issue Gambit miniseries. Oh man. Oh, that's a great run. <sighs> that is a great run. That was like the Dead the Deadpool limited series was pretty big for me too. That had like the hard cover. It was the Joe Mad, I think, limited. Kish couldn't tell I was a Marvel fan as a kid. Yeah. The only DC books I ever got were like the CVS three packs <laughs> in the plastic. <laughs> I wrapping. know exactly mm-hmm. what you're talking about. I think I have all the Teen Titans from <laughs> that I have. That's like the Judas project or whatever storyline that was. I, those are I, I I got those all in three packs. And Hawk and Dove. Hawk and Dove. I think I got them for like seventy five cents or something crazy. I did I do have a stack of my dad's old Batman issues. That I have read cover to cover probably a dozen times. Uh, you know. Oh, I, speaking of Batman, the I think the Norm Brayfogle run of Batman that era was like all the Batmans I bought back then. 
It was around the time when Tim Drake became Robin for the first time. Right. Honorable mention, Gotham by Gaslight. How about um, was it? Le- it wasn't. Was it Legends of the Dark Knight where Batman got a new title where he went? He pretended he was crazy to be in Arkham Asylum. Yeah. Do you remember that storyline? Yeah, that was that early one with Zaz. I, I think I read that one like a hundred times. God, the Fatal Attractions post. Oh man. Oh boy. So much. Executioner song. Mm. That I, was like the first event that I ever remember, and it blew my mind. I just uh, hashtag sixteen days comics. of future past, <laughs> and that sale. I love that cover with older Wolverine. Those claws popped out mm-hmm. with the searchlight on them. The Weapon X trade. Mm. Talk to me for the first time. I remember I got that at like my brother's uh, bookstore. It is first year at Cornell. That was when I bought it. I'm like fifty. <laughs> Let's see. We're at, we ran out of letters, uh, Sounders. That's it. I'm still combing these Wolverine uh, series here. Ah, but I think I, I can save it. Dale, save it from Dale, side. to your point, I think I I read Powers One Who Killed Retro Girl like forty times. Yeah, man, that's yes. when Bendis was Bendis. You know yeah. what I mean? Uh huh. That was when it was just like holy crap. These are comics. Like, I didn't... Because yeah. there was a whole gap. That was when I was getting back into it, and comics meant so much more to me than just... was just more than superhero stuff. Meant more than some junky podcast. I'm surprised uh, you didn't say The Goon. Um, I, yeah, I, I still love The Goon, yeah, but it it's not, like, influential and stuff. I mean, I'm getting all those library editions, but I believe... <laughs> Next week... One of our special volume two episodes. The book that almost tore the show apart. One of them. <laughs> One of the many criminal volume two. Sandman volume two next week. See ya. You guys read this what, else, what else are you looking at, Dale? You still compiling your list over there? <laughs> Which list? Your uh, your eighteen comics hashtag eighteen comics hashtag eighteen comics. Yeah, I'm so, I'm just looking at these uh, Wolverines. I can't remember which one it is. I just bought Revenger on comics. Mm, oh, nice. I can't wait to dig mm. into that. Mm. I even like the that. meta. Um, I don't know if you like the like the album cover that pops up in the app. Even that's bad, eh? Yeah, read it um, this morning. Finally, I don't think I read anything else. Let me see. I read uh, "Rain," Dale. You might actually like that. R e y n. Oh, really? I saw that at the store. It reminded me of. Kind of like the tone of that first D&D comic. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was, yeah. so it's like semi-serious, semi-goofy. Mm-hmm. It was all right. Hmm. Yeah, what was that? I read um, Hellboy BPRD episode issue two. That was from last week, I think. Really good. So that's the only thing about... Going totally digital as I miss all the Dark Horse titles. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, their app is just yeah, not manageable. Yeah, it's so good. I mean, Maliv is just like killing it on that book.
Maleev is on it? Mm-hmm. Dave Stewart, of course. Alex Maleev, huh? I always forget. Like, I always... I think it's because... And it's... Baltimore, I read probably m- way more frequently than Hellboy, but... it's Hellboy is so infrequent that I for You know, I love it, but I always forget when I'm in the moment how much I can really love it. I remember being like one of the few fans of that first Hellboy movie. That was a great movie. I thought it was excellent. But I think I I, I saw it with uh God, I can't remember her name. But I'll tell you what you the second movie was even better than the first one, The Golden Army. Did you see that one? The sequel? Uh, yeah. I love the mythology and everything. I just no. think the second one was gorgeously shot. Mm-hmm. What a beautiful film. Put that on a letterboxed. Mm. Did you see it? Yeah. I can't remember if I saw the second one. I feel I like the first one is just it's it's not quite more of the same, but it's compared to where like the CGI was during the first one to where it was during the second film. It, it just looks gorgeous. Mm-hmm. And it had the same makeup guy as the one that made uh, Pan's Labyrinth. Hmm. You remember that was like a critically acclaimed visual film? Well, he does yeah. the creature, uh, I guess the creature make, whatever it is, creature making and all the character makeup, and it looks, it's dazzling at points. It's such a good movie. That was an Uncanny X-Men comic. Wolverine vs. Sable Truth, round one. Uncanny X-Men, number 212. Uh, you, you know what I just found uh, while whilst going through my things? Uh, the Wedding of Scott Summers and Jean Grey comic. Oh, yeah. I, I almost for a second felt like opening that, that cover. As a kid, I remember it. being really annoyed at that era because Sabretooth was like trying to be, re- or the X-Men were trying to rehabilitate him <laughs> in the X-Mansion and Wolverine was like not a member of the team around that time. I was hated as a kid. <laughs> but there's that great scene in that issue where the wedding's going on and it's snowing outside and you have Wolverine like with his tux all ripped up and Sabretooth's trying to interrupt and they're like fighting outside and he never gets to see the wedding. Well, I think in that issue, maybe that happens in a different issue, but in that issue Wolverine doesn't show up to the wedding and he like carves up a tree and leaves a note or something or carves up snow. And he leaves some kind of angry note. And he doesn't even show up, I don't think. Except for the cover, maybe. Oh, that we should, awesome we should cover read Executioner's Song. We should read Executioner's Song for uh, Book oh, Club. Oh, man. God, we do should. we want to um, excise Sandman Volume 2? Give it the Halo <laughs> treatment? Do Executioner's <laughs> Song? Maybe we'll add it to the doc. I don't know. We, got so, we, we got so many good books coming. A lot of good books coming. I'm looking at it right now. I mean, episode 200. Episode 195 and episode 200 are going to knock people's socks off. That's all I can say. Yeah, yeah, that's all you can say. We're going to go out on a high note, people. Well, you're going out of town for three weeks, so, I mean, we have no other choice. Two weeks. Yeah, it's going to be, we're going to have to do something, you know. 195, 195 really is gonna. It's knocking my pants off right now. <laughs> 195 is giving me half a handy right now. Just think of it. Ugh.